want to begin this evening by no doubt addressing something on all of our minds and hearts in these weeks as we continue to see an increase of confirmed cases of the coronavirus throughout the United States. I know that that fills some of us with a lot of anxiety and emotions and concerns and, and questions and uncertainty. So just a couple of things um, to mention. Thankfully, here in North Dakota, as we know, only one confirmed case at this point up in Ward County. And so uh, we're aware of that. But I do want to mention that here at St. Mary's, we're trying to do our best to be uh, precautionary and prevent any unnecessary things um, going on. So just a, a few things to mention here. Um, in the coming weeks, you might see a few other adaptations depending on how things go uh, here in our area in the state. So just to, to note, um, first, we're following the guidance, right? We're following the guidance of our national uh, state and local officials. So we're looking to them during this time to see how churches like us should be uh, handling um, this situation. So we're monitoring that closely. Um, but a few practical things here. Um, I'm sure there's more things we could do. Uh, but just to begin with, uh, to mention, if you're sick, right, if you're sick, um, please don't come to Mass, uh, both for yourself, but also for the sake of everyone here. Right, um, it's within the law of the church to be dispensed if you have some serious illness for the sake of yourself and for the sake of everyone else. Since when? Since forever. <laughs> okay, that's nothing new. Um, so please know that if you have some sickness or some serious underlying health condition, um, we love you, uh, but we want you to get better and we don't want your germs. And so please make note of that. We don't want to get in the habit of that, um, but these types of situations do call for us reminding all Catholics of that reality. Um, secondly, we'll continue to suspend uh, the sign of peace here um, at Mass. Also, um, continue to suspend the distribution of the precious blood from our chalice, uh, so you'll notice that. Um, I do ask that we try to be intentional about shaking hands. Um, I'm not gonna be shaking hands for the next few weeks. Um, it's not because I'm a germaphobe, um, but I do not want to pass things on to all of you as I shake 250 hands after every single Mass, so please be understanding of that. Um, touching your face, I know I touch my face a lot during Mass and things like that, trying to avoid. Um, touching objects, um, we do have the collection basket still. We, we are Catholic, so we, we don't get rid of that. <laughs> Just teasing. Somebody mentioned, they said, Father, do you still have those collection baskets with sticks on them? I said, let me check. So we're going to do some checking tomorrow, see if we can find the old-time collection baskets with poles so the ushers come by, and so we don't want to miss the collection. So I'm just teasing. All right. Uh, also, um, please note the priests, deacons, and all Eucharistic, Eucharistic ministers will continue to purify our hands with... Uh, um, alcohol-based hand sanitizer directly before the distribution of Holy Communion. Uh, you might have noticed we temporarily removed our holy water fonts and the baptismal font and the holy water stoops. Um, just one extra precaution we wanted to make. Um, also, just a note on prayer. This coming Wednesday, uh, this coming Wednesday, March 18th, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, has called for a universal day of fasting and prayer uh, to ask God's blessing upon the entire world during this time of uh, this, this crisis, this pandemic. And so we don't want to be overreacting, but at the same time, we do look to leadership during these situations. So our Holy Father has, in fact, called for a day of universal fasting and prayer. We, of course, do that anyway during Lent, 
but if you're looking for an extra uh, thing to do this coming Wednesday, March 18th. So whether that's skipping a noon meal, coming to daily mass. So let's try to be intentional in heeding our Holy Father's call for that. And then finally, uh, at the end of masses, kind of like we do at our daily masses here, we'll be saying a memorare asking Our Lady's intercession um, during this time. And so we'll, men- we'll be doing that here uh, for the next few weeks. So thanks for your attention. Just wanted to let you know I don't live under a rock and wanted to uh, uh, mention a few of those things. So a few notes on the gospel. Uh, every third year, every third year, for the third, fourth, and fifth Sunday of Lent, we hear these rather lengthy gospel accounts from the Gospel of John. And I mention that as a bit of a warning, right, because it's very easy to zone out and to miss maybe what the Lord's wanting to share with us during these crucial weeks of Lent. And so this week, of course, we heard the Samaritan woman. Uh, next week, we'll hear the uh, story of the man born blind. And then the fifth week of Lent, the week before Palm Sunday, we'll hear the story of the raising of Lazarus. And so just a few notes on the, uh, this Samaritan woman. You'll notice that this woman, when she comes to the well to draw water, somebody is already there first. Right? So she's thirsty. Her life's a complete mess. She's got six husbands. Right? Things are messy. And she comes to the well to draw water. But someone is already there. Who? Jesus. It's worth noting and is highly intentional that he was already there. What was he doing? He was waiting for her. This is a divine encounter. He was waiting for her to come. He knew that she would come and he knew that he needed to speak with her. Highly intentional. And notice then what Jesus says. That he also thirsts. For just water? Is he just thirsty from this long journey? What does he thirst for? There's only two times in scripture where Jesus is thirsty. The second time is on the cross, Good Friday. The first time we find out he's thirsty right here. So what's he thirsty for? He's thirsty for you. He's thirsty for me. He's thirsty for our response of faith. He is thirsting for her to find her own thirst being quenched in him. He's thirsting for her. And everyone the church has always interpreted always back to St. Augustine in the third century, has always interpreted the Samaritan woman as representing the church. This is us going to the well. This is us wanting to be having our thirst quenched. And this is us going, and we have to remember that he's waiting for us. He's waiting for us. So every time we come to Mass and we take that initiative and we respond, every time we come to Mass, he's already here. He's been waiting. Every time we turn to him in prayer, he's already there. He's waiting. And every time in Scripture, 
especially the Gospels, when the evangelist does not name a person, but just says a Samaritan woman, or when, for example, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says a man had two sons, no names. What does that mean? It means it represents us. So we are the Samaritan woman who are thirsty, and we go to a well to have our thirst quenched. And already at the well is the one thirsting for us. That's what this gospel is about. So whatever Jesus wants from us, let's give it to him. Wherever he's thirsty for us, let's say yes to him. Isn't it a beautiful reality to think that the Savior of the world thirsts for you and me in a deeply personal way?